Here's the thing. Who is this? Mallory, hi. My name is Alex Koblenz, and I was with Kenneth Rodrigo when the Barcelona deal went down. Who else besides you knows about this? No, only the people that need to know in order to fix it. The people who thought up Barcelona. Mallory, we did not think up Barcelona. No, you just helped. Can you bring me in? We can, yes, but I'd like you to keep doing what you're doing. We want you to bust Kenneth's budget. You know, see how he reacts. Everyone he reaches out to, you know, it's like another layer. You gotta get me off the watch list. Mallory, I, I, I cannot do that. You know, while Kenneth's watching, he'll know we spoke. I promise I'll do everything I can to convince him to meet you. Then you can find out what we both want to know, which is why this is happening. I like to think that I could suffocate you to death with my legs. Easily. Easily. Uh, and it's not just because your legs are strong. It's also because I'm very weak. You're not weak. You're super strong. I know. I'm but I'm very... just saying I have that uh, that uh, Anya... Xenia on the top. on the top strength yeah. with my legs. Your calves and your thighs are very, very strong. But again, mm -hmm. I don't want people to get the wrong impression of me when they see me on the street. I'm not strong. I'm just big. It's deceptive. You yeah. see me, you're like, that nah, guy looks strong. strong. Nah, he's just a big old, big old goofy bear. Yeah, uh, he probably could. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do love how many times she used her legs and or, and, or was just like ready to just suffocate a guy. I was like, uh, you're I fucking know. rad. It is badass yeah hello hey everybody everybody hey there hey hey how you, how you doing everybody i'm i'm okay hanging in there not really no not really i'm I... seeing more people out and more cars and that feels awesome feels great and safe feels fucking great super happy that we live in texas which is being used as an example of what not to do which is pretty much normal yeah usually it's in education and race relations and firearms but now it's in healthcare. i know i'm not proud of that nope no so yeah like i i went to pick up some lunch for us earlier and it's a place i've gone to pick up lunch many times in the past eight weeks of lockdown and usually it's a pretty empty parking lot and there's like a line of cars doing the pickup for the curbside and today that parking lot was very full fuck are you serious yeah there was only like two cars counting mine in line for the curbside pickup and i saw at least two parents with like small kids walking in to the restaurant area um <sighs> just bums the hell out of me well i mean I, um, we're we're like the kids that need to touch the hot yeah. stove and then because like someone's like don't touch that it's hot and we're mm -hmm. like you mean this ow and they're like yeah, yeah. it's just just Dr. Idiotic. Fauci's the one that's like, that's a hot stove. And we're like, I don't believe you. Nah, I don't default. How hot could it really be? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hanging in there. Other than that, you know, I'm just trying to still, you know, avoid people at all costs. I know. And it's starting to bum me out, man. The way people are acting or the way that. No, I just miss people. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I mean, I know that I'm not the first or even one millionth person to say this, but watching the movie today and watching any movie and TV show. I just find myself drawn to crowd scenes. Like, I've been rewatching Happy Endings on Hulu this week because... I have too. I need something happy. We've been rewatching it together on my lunch break. Yeah. And, you know, so many little scenes are set in the little bar they hang out in, you know, on like the studio back lot. And it's just full of people. And you're like, look at everyone, like, touching each other look and being how, so look close. Look at what we used to do. It's just insane. It be It becomes... Everything becomes weird yep. on that level yeah so uh anyway so. anyway yeah. hey welcome to how have you not seen this oh yeah welcome to the show how have you not seen this it's a podcast it's a podcast about a husband and a wife i'm daniel the husband i'm tracy and the wife that sounds weird yes it does it doesn't you're sound. i'm telling you anyway let's try it again let's do something different no that's tracy that's daniel there it is <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we show each other movies every week that the other one really should have seen by now. Mm -hmm. This week was an awesome week. An awesome yes, week. Yes, this week we watched 2012's Haywire, directed by Steven Soderbergh and starring Gina Carano. 
I had seen it before. I saw it when it came out, and that's what ignited my strong but also layered and complex love for Gina Carano. I believe last night you used the word passionate twice. It's very passionate. It's deep. It's complex. She knows what's going on. We don't talk a lot, but it's just because we're at that level of understanding. And mm-hmm. that's the respect we have for each other. It's the school I'm calling Dr. Phil. Yeah, it's that's probably a good idea. So, yes, you had not seen this before, though. No. Uh, and it is an action movie where Gina Carano beats up a lot of people. Oh, so many men. Basically, yeah, that's it. So, how have you not seen this? Well, okay, I'll be totally honest. When the movie came out, and you and I were together, yes, um, the movie came out, and you were like, "Haywire," and this uh, former uh, MMA stunt, fighter, stunt, yeah. oh, MMA fighters, you know, just goes around and kicks ass. It's really good. I was like, I, I don't, I, I don't care about that. Like, I just didn't. It wasn't presented to me like if I had known, like, "Hey, it's a Soderbergh movie, and it has these people in it, and da da da," that I would have been like, "Hell yeah, I'll watch that." But it sounded like. I don't know. It sounded dumb. It sounded kind of like, okay, schlock. And then I met my girl when she was on The Mandalorian, and I was like, well, I'm in love with her. Yeah. Like, clearly. Hell yeah. You'd, like, you'd be crazy not to. You, I'm just insanely, I, I am madly passionately in love with her. We can talk about that because Haywire has Gina Carano and also like Michael Fassbender and. Well, yeah. And lots let's, of, like, please yeah. don't think I won't get into that. Yeah. So, okay. To be honest, we started another movie that Daniel thought that I would like. And about two thirds of the way through, I was like, when is this over? Yep. This is the worst movie ever. (laughs) I hate this movie so much. That movie, of course, was Ewok's Caravan of Courage. (laughs) It was the Christmas special. Yeah. So. Of Star Wars. No. And Daniel's like, look. And we had this really great conversation about how this podcast should not be just like. We realized, like, listen, it's okay to, like, not like the movie or not be a huge fan of it. Like, you know, if you listen to last week's episode, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of Valley Girl. Right. Before that, Tracy was like, if you show me Solo again, I'm going to file divorce papers. But you've, but, but you've found some cool stuff in, interesting yes, about Martha I found, Coolidge. I found some, I found some awesome Cage. stuff in Valley Girl. And you had a fun time watching, like, Chewie and some Falcon stuff. And you found some – and we had fun talks about it. Yeah. So we want to at least have a good discussion, even if the person doesn't dig the movie. But if it's so bad that you're like, I just don't want to even be involved in like, this I don't right even now, know what I would talk about. And then the funny thing is, he was Which watching cool. it again – he was watching it again, and he's like, "Yeah, I this time don't see anything." Yeah, because I hadn't seen it in probably value to talk about 15, except, 18 years. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so we nixed it. So we scratched that last night, and today we did Haywire. And today we did Haywire. Uh, he gave me a choice between what? How did oh, you put it? Uh, I gave you a choice between she's America's deadliest weapon or he's a loose cannon. Yes. So he's loose cannon will come. That's a teaser. We're not going to tell you, yep. um, but he's loose cannon will make an appearance because he showed me the trailer for that, and I like to have died. Yeah, like so hilarious. I wanted some fun. I wanted a fun action movie, and so I sh- I fired up a couple of trailers, which is also new for us. Usually, we keep the other person really in the dark, but since the movie we tried just was it was a bust, which has rarely happened. Like uh, it's happened twice. Yeah, that just twice. Both of the movies that I picked. We'll try not to read into that. Um, <laughs> so I fired up a couple of trailers on YouTube on the old television. And they both were, she was like, these are fucking bananas looking good. I'm like, I know they are. They're both great. So I gave her the choice and she said, let's go with She's America's Deadliest Weapon. And I said, cool. He's a loose cannon. We'll be put on hold and probably show up fairly soon. Yes. So that is why we watched Haywire. She is our nation's most valuable weapon. You got a car? That's why they trained her. So it, so you just felt like never seeing it because you were like, that just looks kind of dumb. I was literally, all the information that I was given was former MMA fighter um, plays a spy or, or whatever, and um, and they try to kill her and she kicks a bunch of ass. And sure. I was like, I don't care about that. If you had said Fassbender, McGregor. Charming Potato. Charming Potato. Bill Paxton. Uh, Michael um, Douglas, Douglas, Antonio Banderas, if, Antonio Banderas. I would have been like, yeah, uh, yes, like yeah. at Fastbender. That's mm-hmm. what is you know how I feel about Fastbender. Yes, That's all you needed to say back then. You could have been like Michael Fastbender's in, and I'm like, sign mm-hmm. me up now. Yep. And then I would have discovered the the true love of the movie, which of course is Gina Carano, who is mm. just amazing. She's awesome. She's awesome. She's yeah, amazing. It's great. So. 
Because, um, I mean, we'll get into it, but, like, you did like the movie. Like, it ended I and you were like, that was awesome. I loved it. No, I lo- right. in fact, I, I took a nap, um, and I was thinking even more about how much I loved it. Like, awesome. I lo- lo- loved it. Just to it. be clear, you took a nap after the movie, not during, thinking, this is so great, and then, like, had dreams about what was happening. No. You watched the whole movie, said it was great, and then took a nap. Yes. Got it. Okay. I'll just do, like, a quick uh, recap for people who have not seen it in a while or who have never seen it. Haywire stars Gina Carano as... A, as America's deadliest as weapon. A, she's America's deadliest weapon. She is our nation's most valuable weapon. She plays uh, uh, basically a, an operative, like a field agent, a, a mercenary for a private contract company like Blackwater that the government hires out to go do its dirty work in places. And she winds up getting double-crossed and has to wind up fighting for her life while figuring out who double-crossed her and who betrayed her. And why. And yeah. and why. And that's super, super high level. And so that leads through several chase scenes, fight scenes, as she has to make her way from Europe back to the States, back to a safe home base, and confront the people that she worked for and thought were safe and on her side and figure out where exactly the conspiracy came into play, who wants to betray her and why. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's really it. It's, it's not a long movie. It's like an hour 40, hour 45, something like that. It's a solid, tight action movie. Yes. And it is bad ass it is an awesome action movie it is one of the best action movies of like the past 25 years in my opinion some of the best fight scenes you'll see in a long time because gina carano former mma fighter and has that skill yep so they don't have to cut around it because of course i mean i'm not saying i i dislike other action movies that do that i love great action movies i love the mission impossible franchise for instance i love fun action movies of course but it's one thing to realize like oh okay i if you think you could probably slow it down in your head and think okay there's lots of cuts or edits and obviously there's stunt people involved etc like that's just the way it goes making movies and you don't hold a grudge against them for that but it's extra cool to see the person doing the thing word and that's one of the reasons the movie is shaped and shot the way it is soderbergh does a lot of really long takes so that you can see this is really her for Mm -hmm. instance fighting or there's a scene of her chasing a guy through an alley in barcelona and it's a really long take of her chasing the guy just so it sinks in this is really her and she's really running flat out Mm -hmm. for a while Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. another action movie would have a lot of cuts you know because they'd have the actor probably running because you want to see the person's face but they can't run forever no they're not conditioned to do that even when they train for movies so the fact that she's already in this shape and then trains for this movie and does this you're like oh man it really feels extra real yeah yeah oh and there's hercules yeah who uh very much enjoyed the film as well the cool thing is it's like it's a very grounded and realistic action movie in a lot of ways it's like what would happen if an action movie actually happened like right in front of you uh a lot of the fights have no music behind them and they're not a lot of cuts and the fights are often pretty short because they you know, a lot of... It's more realistic. Yeah, exactly. Like, fights don't last that long. And again, I'm not knocking other action movies. I love fun action movies. We've watched... I just bought John Wick the other day because I just love John it. John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. I love... I love a badass action movie sometimes. And so I'm not knocking those. It's just cool to watch this and know why they approached it this way. Uh, and why Steven Soderbergh wanted to make this movie the way he did. So tell me what you thought about the movie. You know, the only, it's funny, because the only thing that I can think of that I was like, meh, on was the music. I actually thought the music kind of made it, I'm trying to figure out, not like movie of the week, um, not that bad, but I feel like they could have gotten a better composer or a better, the score was not good. And I think they deserve better than that. I really do. I, of course, you can't listen to me because I'm super tuned in. Hey, tuned in. I'm super tuned into the score. Like that always has like an effect on me with the movie, like how I, and when I see some big action scene, like I want a certain, sure. I want the music to move me into this, into the action. And this one didn't really. So would you have wanted, because again, uh, to be clear, some of the action scenes, some of the fights have no score behind them. And there are some that have... No, that's okay. That was fine. Yeah, there are some that have no sound effects or, or punches or grunts or anything, but are just scored. And you're saying you didn't like the music that was in that. I didn't like any okay. of the music. Okay. The composer was David Holmes. It's got more of a jazzy feel. He did the Oceans movies. He's worked on Killing Eve. But he's got more of that jazzy feel that Soderbergh likes. Well, I'll tell you what I liked. I liked the music in The Very First Born. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's some good music. That's... Yep. I, I would have preferred something like that. But really, that's the only, uh, I would say, complaint that I had. I loved 
when when I found out that it was Soderbergh, I was. <laughs> the cats are just going bananas. The cats are like they do nothing all day, and then they do nothing all day. And the second we do this, they're like, "Let's talk to each other and play." Um, oh, first of all, the music in the first Born movie was done by John Powell, who also did Solo. So that's weird. Oh, that's very weird. But you know what? What I mean more mm-hmm. by the Born music is they use other songs. Yeah. Like there's that kick-ass song. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, fuck me. I listen to it when I drive because I like to pretend like I'm being chased. Um, but I'll- Why? Because it's fun. Oh. I like to pretend like I'm a spy being chased. You, at like so instead of pretending you're chasing someone, no, I like to you pretend, pretend like you're I'm being, being chased. Because he's being. It's the oh. scene where he's being chased, and it's a uh, rocksteady. I can't. Um, the pa- car- Paul Oakenfeld. Yeah, yeah. The big um, Oakenfold. Oakenfold. Okay, really? Oakenfeld? Does it matter? Is it Oakenfold or Feld? I don't know. I don't know. Ready, steady, go. Ready, steady, go. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's that is a great, great car chasing. And I thought of that a couple of times during this movie because one of the things I love about that car chasing is as it's about to happen, Bourne is studying the map. Yeah. Looking around, like he's like planning a route in his head. He's kind of prepping for it. And that's what I loved about so many parts of Haywire is before the fight actually starts, uh Gina Carano, who plays the character Mallory Kane, clearly knows something's about to happen, so she'll like kind of crack her neck or Mm -hmm. she takes off her heels or kind of cracks her knuckles. She gets ready for something to happen. And I loved that. I loved that kind of like preparing because she's getting like psyched up for it. So it's really awesome. And I liked that the fight scenes were not long because I don't believe that it takes as long. Look, sure. When I watch John Wick, John Wick, John Wick, John Wick, when I watch that or I watch Mission Impossible or watch whatever, and the fight goes on forever and ever. I'm not complaining. I mean, because I I love the action. It's sure. fun. It's me it's too. Fun, but it's not real. Like no, it's not real. You're watching a spectacle. This seemed real. Yeah, like it seemed absolutely, absolutely real. And I liked that. I thought that was a really cool touch. Mm-hmm. I thought that the the driving scene and everything where she, I thought that was very real. Someone did not warn someone. Okay. That an okay. animal dies. Okay, I forgot. In a brutal fashion. I forgot, and I apologized profusely at the time. That someone got in trouble, and I did. And you wheeled on me and said you're a bad person, which I feel was maybe an overreaction. Mm. It was an accident. You know, I would never knowingly show you an animal in harm, mm-hmm. being hurt. I would I'm never show you an animal happened. being hurt. All I'm saying is it happened. You I know. Done your, could have done your due diligence. I apologize again. I I assumed. I just. I guess I'm gonna have to start checking every movie now, even due if I think I remember. Diligence. Does the dog die? Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's my. Fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's fantastic. She is not. Um, I think when I say she's not classically beautiful, she's. I don't mean that as an insult at all. It's actually very cool. Oh, sorry. Um. But she's not, and uh, you can tell that she's been in some fights, mm-hmm. which is rad because she very much, very much easy to believe that she is uh, this uh, mercenary, uh, yeah, killer or whatever she does. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was awesome. I also had to laugh. You can tell a dude made this. And it was interesting that it was Soderbergh, because sometimes Soderbergh can get, like, really into himself and be like, let's make this scene four hours long. And you're like, oh, my God, we don't need to know how everything was done. Like, I like that we didn't have some long scene where she cuts her hair and dyes it and stares in the mirror and contemplates her revenge and blah, blah, blah. Like, from she goes from... This really cute, like, mm-hmm. long, brown, wavy hair to this action, badass, straight, mm-hmm. like, uh, angular cut bob thing. And right. just that's just that just happened. Yeah. And I was like, all right, way to go. I'm glad that we didn't have to go through some, like... Yeah, you just put it together. And, I mean, you never see some of the stuff. She says, like, a couple of lines, like, I crossed the border here. I got a fake passport here as she puts stuff together. And that's good that they threw that line in so you get a little more of that connected tissue. Yeah. But, but you don't need to see her being see like, it. she probably wanted to be, like, in disguise. So she cut and colored her hair, which, like, duh, every movie 
like this has something like that in it. So it's not necessary. You're also, not confused. You're not confused. Like, why is her hair different? Yeah. Um, it it would have like any other director or an, another director or Soderbergh could have done this. Um, stretched the movie out and made it like two and a half hours long and had all that. Like where she has to get the fake passport sure. and she goes to a salon because I'm sorry that cut did not happen on her watch that's a salon cut sure it's fucking gorgeous but she didn't do that cut um it's like when harrison ford cuts his hair and beard in the fugitive and still looks pretty great you're like you did a great job in that gas station harrison ford (laughs) you colored and cut your hair just you look really he grabs like a coat off a blind he walks out you're like you look amazing yeah like how are you well it's harrison it's harrison ford exactly uh so i liked that i liked uh well i loved just uh just so much i thought i think she's so amazing and so not at all what women are in movies anymore or at all or wherever i don't know and i don't know if maybe that's you you never told me like how much mm-hmm. did it cost and how much did it make oh uh, yeah we can get into that uh well, no i mean i have other things to say i don't want to it cost like 22 to 25 train. million and it made like 32 million Okay. So well, not a huge hit. See, that's the thing. To me, that's it's an ideal movie. Like, I want to see a woman in charge and kicking ass. I don't need to see somebody being saved by a handsome guy. It's not to say I don't like it, but like, this is awesome. I think, I don't think that this was marketed well at all. Yeah. I'm going to say that right now. I'll tell you that um, the cast was stupendous. Like, I don't know how they got Soderbergh, I guess. The cast was stupendous. Oh, I know. One of the things that irritated me at the end was it's set up clearly for a sequel. Yeah. Because you don't know. And I, I mean, I don't know. It's been eight years. Well, I won't say. But there's a guy in power and you're like, you don't really know. He's not really on her side, but she thinks he's on her side. And so it's and so it's like set up. They have this kind of detente i guess yeah we're basically the government official says i can bring you in and you can do some work for me and you know be this kind of operative and, but he and had wanted some, her yeah. dead earlier mm, yes. no he mm, he said you're supposed to be at mallory at her house yes, he did. telling he, he her he told, father he said to you and mcgregor you got that macho takedown but where's the due diligence where's the follow-through now, we got ourselves a real twizzler here. And for eight figures, I don't accept excuses, explanations, or rationales. I, mean, I don't even know why the hell you're standing here. You should be in her father's living room explaining to him, telling him that his daughter is a fugitive with ties to terrorists, that she killed a man in cold blood in Dublin and killed four cops. You tell him. Show him. You should be there because... When he talks to Mallory later, at the end there, he's like, I told you I'd give you Kenneth alone at your father's house. He delivered that to her. Was that before or after they talked? That was after. The last scene with him, with him, with Michael Douglas and... Okay, fine. It was Michael Douglas. Gina Carano. He says... Well, I told you you could have Kenneth alone at the house. I promised you that. You should at least make me a colleague, if not a friend. He's basically saying, like, I, I did that to you because she's the one that had reached out and he got in touch with her. And he said, I can't bring you in right now because it's really dangerous. Oh, OK. Talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was definitely on her side. OK, so he was on her side. Well, I think that it was set up for sequels. I also think this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think that HBO could take this. Soderbergh could have taken this and made an awesome either miniseries or just show like with her like maybe hour long episodes or I don't know um I don't know how you do it but I could see like Mallory Kane cuz I love her name it's such a pulp novel name it is Mallory Kane like Mallory the Ma- Kane. yeah you know I, I don't know what you call her though operative Mallory Kane the world's most the, the country's most deadliest weapon she's america's deadliest, deadliest weapon she's america's deadliest weapon she is our nation's most valuable weapon i don't know couldn't you, do you, you are you do you not agree with me that I it could be a really agree awesome with you. tv show i completely show? agree because it's the main story of the movie is tied up she survives she wins she finds out who did try to do her wrong 
and she beats the bad guys. So that's tied up, but it leaves open the possibility of her being able to do more because the government official, Michael Douglas, wants to bring her in. And she's like, I'll think about it, you know, but then she goes to hunt the final bad guys down and then she does it. So there's so brutally and awesome. You could definitely bring back another movie with her doing some stuff because the government agent played by Michael Douglas was like, listen, I want to keep you in the field and figure out how high this conspiracy goes that you and I both want to know what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So maybe he would bring her in and task her on some other things, like have her going undercover to like bring down some other government stuff. I'm going to make a statement. Make a statement. Here's my statement. Ready for statement. Soderbergh 100% set this up for a sequel and did not end up making one because it didn't do well. Yes, I think that is very, very likely because it didn't make money. There were too many little hanging threads that you could have pulled on to be, yeah, to make a whole nother movie. Yeah, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger by any in any way, but it yeah, but could, there were lines yes. like I'll think about it. Yeah, and you could it. easily like, bring the character back and have her working with Michael Douglas or some other government mm-hmm, handler mm-hmm. and doing more stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like how each Mission Impossible movie to bring it back wraps up that story. It doesn't end on a cliffhanger. But you know they're going to come back and, like, get into some more hijinks because somebody's going to do something. Yeah. So, yeah, you could definitely have Mallory Kane adventures. So I liked that Charming Potato, Channing Tatum, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know the Charming Potato, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. I liked that he was the good guy. He's a good dude. Because I – he comes across as kind of a douche He's supposed at the beginning. to, yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then he ends up being a good guy. And I was really, and I like that she knew. See, yeah. women know. I think she knew, I mean, she had relations with him. Yep. I, not, not the one I would have chosen. I would have been like, hey, listen, <laughs> past bender. I know we got to do what we got to do. <laughs> But let's get down and dirty first. Yep. And then one of us can try to kill the other one. Because what's up? Like, we can mix it up. We can Mm -hmm. can do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm not going to miss out on an opportunity to get up on Michael Fassbender. Yep. Because that man is... Good looking. Legit. Good looking dude. I asked Daniel where this was in terms of the X-Men movies, because he was not all, like, super jacked like he was in those movies. And I like a little bit more Jack to Michael Fassbender, but you know what? I'll take it. I'll take him as he is. It's fine. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, so this movie was shot in early 2010. So 2009, Michael Fassbender was in Inglorious Bastards. He shows up in X-Men First Class, which is the first one he did, I think, in 2011. Okay. Uh, so even though this came out in 2012, it was shot in early 2010. Okay. So he hadn't so started boy, getting beefed up yet for the X Men movies. Yeah, my boy wasn't jacked yet. Because 2012, he also does Prometheus, um, mm. and then The Counselor in 2013. So yeah, it was right before he started doing the X Men stuff. So Fassbender, call so, me. So yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you. Had a good I did. Time. Yeah, I did. I definitely why the Kenneth Kenneth Ewan McGregor Ewan McGregor. 100% did what he did because he was pissed that she broke up with him. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do not believe He, like, he... ran the, the private contracting, you know, mercenary group, but also she dated him for a year, which... And then she broke up with him, and then she said she was leaving the, the company. Com- bad idea. So he's like, well, I'm going to fucking kill you then. And yeah. that was very obvious. And then Charming Potato is like, are you sure this isn't personal? And he's yeah. like, no, he's not going to mess with it. Yeah. personal. What he's talking about? But it was... Because he, he didn't even try to deny it. He was like, let's not even get into it. I'm like, you just can't yeah. say no. Yeah. yeah. So let me tell you a bit about the movie. So like I said, it was shot in early 2010, uh, February to March of 2010, and then did some reshoots in March of 2011. Okay. So it was originally supposed to be a 2011 release, but there were some issues with the distributor. It was originally going to be Lionsgate, wound up moving to Relativity Media. There's some loose talk that Lionsgate wanted more of a straight up Bourne movie, whereas Soderbergh wanted to make what he made, which is like a slick action movie that's like more grounded and gritty and has like more of like a jazzy feel you know he didn't want to make a born movie with a girl he wanted to make this movie and Lionsgate apparently was not super down for that so shot in early 2010 reshoots in early 2011 but in the interim of Haywire being the principal photography and everything finally being wrapped up Soderbergh shoots edits and releases Contagion so oh that's Contagion comes out fall of 11, and this comes out in January of 12. 
And that's one of the things we talked about it being poorly marketed because January is often a dumping ground, especially for action movies. Mega. And for a, a movie of this quality and this caliber of cast, it's, you know, buried in January. Yes. It's, we'll see. It's, this is... it's a change. It should have come out later in the spring. You know, it's not big yeah. enough to be a summer movie, but it's definitely like a late spring movie. For sure. Or a fall movie. It's, it's you know, it's not a January dumping ground kind of movie no. at all. Oh, I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's a shame. Also, in 2015, news came out that Relativity Media, through their arm Relativity TV, was looking at doing a series. <sighs> the reason that news came out was because in 2015, Relativity filed for bankruptcy, which they then emerged from in 2016, then they filed Chapter 11 again in May of 2018. That fall, they were sold and now run by their holding company, Ultra V. So, but I was a genius. Of course, yeah. Relativity had some a lot of financial problems, and like they were sued by Netflix in 2018 for over an exclusivity deal. Netflix said that Relativity had promised them some movies Mm -hmm. that were not supposed to run on other outlets. Relativity said that was an oopsie. Netflix is like fucking going to court anyway. So Netflix is like, we're Netflix. Yeah. So it had kind of a bumpy start and a bumpy, bumpy go, and it's it's a shame it was dumped in January and not given more of a push. Because I should, I, you know, I showed Tracy the trailer, and the trailer's funny. You know, it's she's America's deadliest weapon. She is our nation's most valuable weapon. Yes, and it's the voiceover and everything, and it's fun and kitschy, but also like this movie is better than that. It is, you know. So I feel like they miss an opportunity to actually sell this as like a fun badass, you know, female hero movie. Absolutely. So. Listen, this is the this is the hero that America needs. We need to see more women. And fewer, like, I don't, yeah, man. So, it's a shame. Steven Soderbergh, by the way, also uh, was the cinematographer and the editor for this. He's done that in a lot of his movies. Yeah, uh, I see that. Yeah, he uses pseudonyms when that happens a lot of times. He was credited as Peter Andrews for the cinematographer. Good old Pete. And Marianne Bernard is the editor because his father is Peter Andrew Soderbergh and his mother is Marianne Bernard. Oh. So he uses their names. Just when he's going to do those those roles. That means um, he got lazy and made his mom and dad do his work for him? Yeah, just like kicking, get in there, mom. Yeah. yeah. She's like, but I've never done this yeah. before. I don't give a shit. Oh, <laughs> he's mean. And he talks like that. <laughs> uh, so the thing is, what's cool about this is Steven Soderbergh just like comes across Gina Carano on like TV, basically. And is like, who's this? Then says, let's build a movie around her. This was not a movie that they were like, how are we going to cast for this? And somebody had an outside the box idea of an MMA fighter. Soderbergh discovers Gina Carano and is like, holy shit, let's make a movie with her in it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what happens is, I'm getting some info now. This is from an interview on Cinema Blend by Katie Rich that ran in 2012 when the movie came out. Sup, Rich. Um, Katie Rich. Sup, Katie? Sup, Rich. I was just saying sup, Rich. Sup, Rich. Uh, That's her last name. Come on. Yeah. So she said, what did you, what made you want to make this? Soderbergh responded, it really was because of Gina. If she had said no, then I wouldn't have thought, oh, well, I still want to go and do this. She was the reason to do the movie for me. Yeah. And he also said, uh, that's why I called Lim Dobbs the screenwriter. Immediately I thought, oh, in terms of its tone, it should be sort of like the limey. It should be sort of terse, very lean. I like the idea of a fractured narrative that had a loop you finally caught up to. I just called him and said, go on YouTube, check out this woman. It's pretty straightforward. The idea was she's in the private security world. She's working for like a Blackwater company. Something goes wrong. She has to go on the run, sort of beat her way through the cast. You're just looking for a sort of simple construct. It didn't take us long to figure out what the basic shape was. So. Are you going to ask me? Have you seen the limey? (laughs) Sorry. I've asked Tracy if she's seen the limey like a dozen times in our relationship. And she's always like, yes. And then I forget. And like eight months later, I'm like, hey, have you seen the limey? And she's like, I'm going to murder you. And wait for you to be deep asleep. I'm going to murder you. I just, the minute you said the limey, I was like, yes, the limey. Yeah. So, which is what's cool. Like, again, he saw her and was like, let's make a movie about her. And if she couldn't do it, he'd be like, well, I'm going to do something else then. This was not a case of we've got a story I want to tell. It's like, let's take this badass person who could be an awesome action star in this and make a movie, which I love. I love that that was the approach. Well, and she had to be, let's be honest, she had to be able to act. Yeah. And, and she does an okay-ish job. Yeah, she's not going to win an Oscar. No. But she's good at what she does. She is, yeah. Uh, I think she plays a really good, you know, soldier for hire, mercenary operative kind of person. Because you can see her thinking her way through stuff. Yes. When she's, not just the fight scenes, but when she's like escaping, running through town, trying to deal with stuff. You can see her thinking through her options, which is what you really want in an awesome action star. That's mm-hmm. why it again reminds me of Bourne or the Mission Impossible movies. You can see them figuring out the puzzle in front of them. Because mm-hmm. they obviously know where they're going to run and jump. It's a movie. But they have to act like they're making it up as they go. And mm-hmm. she does a really good job at that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Katie Rich also asked, how did you cast the guys opposite Gina? And Soderbergh says, it wasn't just a matter of A-list talent. It had to be A-list talent who could go toe-to-toe with her. I had to have three guys who could really fight with her. I knew Channing could do that. I knew Fast could do it. And then I had Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, and when Katie Rich says, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen you and McGregor in a fight like this, Soderbergh said he really wanted to do it. That's something we did after I had seen a first cut of the movie. Uh, so in the initial cut, there was... He what? was such a fucking pussy in that fight. Well, yeah, because... He kept trying to run away. It was hysterical. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, But they, all, they he fought her for a while, but then he's like, I got to get out of here. Uh, but it's cool that that fight is toward the end of the movie, and it wasn't in the initial cut. So that was one thing that they added in the reshoots. Well, to me, you could tell that he's the head of the operation and not the muscle because he was a fucking pussy. Yeah, because he's on the beach and she just runs out of nowhere like a fucking ghost of vengeance. It was a Valkyrie. I was like, what? Perfect. Like, how did she appear from the rocks like that? Just bam. Oh, yeah. And so Katie Rich says, uh, Gina Carano takes control in all the fight scenes, but I can't remember the last time I saw a woman get beat up that fiercely by men. Were you trying to break some ground there? Soderbergh says, the point was to me to, in essence, degenderize her, to not be patronizing by treating her any differently than I would a male character. That was my attitude. Don't do anything with her you wouldn't do with a guy. That's what you, but that's what you hear in the yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Ewan McGregor says, don't think of her, because Fassbender's like, I've never done a woman before. And mm-hmm. he's like, that's, don't think of her as a woman. That's your mistake. Like, don't think of her as a woman. And I wonder if that informed us because Soderbergh went on to say, it would be insulting to tell the guys, quote, don't hit her in the face because she's a woman. I asked Fassbender when I sent him the script, quote, are you going to have a problem hitting a woman in the face as hard as you can? And he laughed and said, I don't think so. You've got to be that guy, as did Channing. And I like that she takes it and she dishes it out. And Gina would be the first person to say, you have to do it this way. Yep. And she was also the person on the set saying, you have to hit me harder. She's operating this world completely dominated by men. Her future is largely determined by the decisions these men make for her. It's an interesting layer to have in the movie without even talking about it. She has to be smarter than everyone else in order to survive. I was very conscious of not wanting to turn her into a fembot. I think she's sexy in the movie, but it's because Jean is sexy. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, she is a a pretty and, and sexy and attractive woman, but she's not... This isn't, it's not, there's nothing titillating. It's not a, there's nothing lascivious or like. No, the dress like, she wears when she's dressed all fancy mm-hmm. is not some like. It's not like know. revealing or trashy. And yeah. she takes her heels off to fight. You know, yeah. like it's not like one, it's not a, it's not a lewd movie for like, you know, little boys. Like, that. she's an awesome person in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, I thought that was, that was really cool. Uh, Soderbergh also talked about having to learn new filmmaking techniques because of the the fights he said i had to do some studying i had a sense of what i won- wanted to do and didn't want to do i didn't want to do it handheld and i didn't want to have the shots so big and fast you didn't know where you were ah, i didn't yeah. want to cheat because i didn't have to cheat immediately that determines a lot that's a really good point yeah so he, he basically knew he's like listen i i want to be able to actually see what's happening which is one of the reasons i, I love the movie and i love good action filmmaking that even with more cuts and camera movement you still never lose your sense of spatial geography. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I love Mission Impossible and John Wick and a lot of other modern action movies can be just like an assault on the senses because you just never know what's happening. It's just mm-hmm. CGI and explosions and cuts. Like a lot of the Marvel movies are really hard to follow in the action scenes. You lose your geography very fast. We walked out of Winter Soldier because I was like, I am literally like, I'm going to, I'm going to be one of those Japanese kids that has mm-hmm. a stroke. Like, yeah, I, I can't watch this or seizure. Sorry. Um, it was too, it was an assault on the senses. It, it was, was too yeah. much. It was just, and it was aggressive. And so and unnecessary and unnecessary. And that's again, why, you know, I just don't like a lot of aspects of the Marvel movies. It's not a, an across the board. I hate comic books or superhero stories. It's, I don't like the way these movies are made and told. Like it, they're just aggressive and hard to watch sometimes. They're just muddy and ugly. Whereas this, you've got Soderbergh shooting it and he loves the light. God, he's got these like, those rich, like really overcranked yellows and ambers and golds. I was going to say, I love the light. you're going to see and, like, oranges the sh- the, and blues. The best fight scene in the film is Gina Carano versus Michael Fassbender in the hotel room where their mm-hmm. characters are staying, where he gets the drop on her and punches her because he's trying to kill her and she fights her way out and survives. And it's the longest fight in the movie and it's still very short, but it's amazingly well choreographed. There's no music. And it's incredibly intense. And it's shot with a lot of wides and not a lot of cuts. So you always know where you are. And you Mm -hmm. really feel every hit. Like when Michael Fassbender flips Gina Carano and she lands, you're like, 
he really threw that lady. Mm-hmm. That lady really got thrown. <laughs> he really threw that lady. Like, you can pull yourself out of the movie and know, like, okay, that's breakaway glass, etc. You know that there's movie making happening. But when a person gets thrown and thrown into a wall, they're not faking this. Yeah. That person just got thrown around. Yeah. And it makes the action hit so hard. Like, I've seen this before and I was still cringing. You, well, know? you can also tell that she is a fighter because she had legs. Oh, my God. Like and and arms like that's I know she I don't, was not I am I have been thinking all day before recording this on how much I can talk about her musculature without sounding perverted or we need to just cut the recording short because she's super jacked and she I bet she's not tall how tall is she I don't know she doesn't look tall see that's the thing I don't think she's that tall she's built I'm gonna say. It's odd. She's built find kind of like a ballerina in that. Really? Well, ballerinas have to have these legs, these thighs that could crack walnuts. She's five six. Okay, so she's not. She's she's not. Not short. 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 Yeah. Okay. Were no, you five eight? Sense. Yeah, I'm five eight. Yeah. So okay. So like. Yeah. There. Uh-huh. Well, I'm seated. I'm seated. I'm seated. You're seated. I'm seated down. <laughs> Well, I was using my hand like people can I'm see what I'm doing. I'm down, y'all. Y'all, you're not 5'8 when you're seated. I'm seated. Proud of both of us right now. I am too. Uh, and I'm not even drunk. Um, <laughs> geez, I've never done this drunk. I have done this drunk yeah, once. Yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah, no, I did this drunk once. When were, why did you get, when was that? Oh. Uh, I don't remember why you got drunk, but you were definitely uh, drunk on, and you sobered up by the end, but at the beginning you were. I think it was were, when we were talking to Price about, it was either we were talking to Price about, John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. No, no, no. That was at the house. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was when we were talking about Shutter Island. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you were definitely tipsy for the first part of one of them. I was. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, no, I like that she's got the body of a fighter. Yes. It would be so fucking absurd if she was this twig and, I know. and she's America's deadliest weapon. She is our nation's most valuable weapon. But then they have the the stand-in, the what you call him, the stunt double, stunt double, yeah, who's doing all the work, and you're like, okay, well, that stunt double clearly has the body for this. Yeah, that's and it's, like I knew I could snap like a twig. Yeah, like I haven't seen the rhythm section, but Blake Lively plays like a, a spy fighter action person in it, and you're like, you are a trim person. But you see Gina Carano, and you're like, you could beat the hell out of me. Like, that's the thing. Like You could beat the hell out of Blake Lively. That's the thing. Let's like, make that movie. I love that Soderbergh is like, I needed three guys that could go toe-to-toe with her. I'm like, yeah, they kind of did. The most believable was Fastbender and Fastbender and Channing Tatum tied. Ewan mm-hmm. McGregor, I was like, I have to pretend that Gina Carano and Ewan McGregor fight would last this long. Like, this fight would be four seconds long. It, she would. He would have gotten up for that tackle. She would have knocked him down. He'd been like, "I give, bye." She yeah, would have well, just killed him right he there. He wasn't. I still don't call that a fight. I. He was just trying to get away, and yeah. she kept grabbing him and beating the shit out yeah, of him. Yeah, he punched a lot, but like, yeah, he, he was swinging. Yeah, he lost that fight pretty fast. He was and, swinging, but that was it. It was yeah. not. I don't consider that a fight. I say the sand a, slowed her down, but because okay. it was the beach. But that's it. Um, as fast as she ran on that sand, yeah. she's doing okay. Yeah. Um, I think this is a movie that my dad would love. It's a great movie. It's a great action movie. And it's currently on Netflix as of the recording of this podcast. So it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't yes. seen it or want to watch it again. It's great. Yes. Um, you know, it's funny. I mentioned the hotel room from that same junket interview. Katie Rich asked Soderbergh, is there a scene in Haywire you're particularly satisfied with? And he said, probably for different reasons, the hotel room. There's still some things I would change. But from the moment they turn the corner in the hallway to the shot of her on the bed with her head in her hands, that's pretty close to what I wanted it to be, what it needed to be. I really liked the beach scene because we made a choice there that was tricky to make. If we hadn't shot everything else, I couldn't have made it. In the hotel room scene, we had two full shooting days, two normal 10-hour shooting days, which is crazy to think about. With the beach scene, I wanted it to be occurring the moment where the sun is about to go down. In any given day, there's only about 45 minutes in which you can sell that. That meant I had to shoot that sequence in two days in two 45-minute windows. No sane person would say, let's do that. Yeah, because yeah. you're also dealing with clouds being different yeah. and Cloud all that. cover, waves, it's, weather, everything. It's funny that, that he says that because one of the things I really liked about that scene was when she walked off, mm-hmm. the sunset was beautiful yeah. and it felt very like, you know, putting my past behind me, that kind of thing. Like, Oh, oh totally. I really liked that. Me too. Yeah. And he had two days to capture that and each day was like a 45 minute 
window to try and yeah, shoot that whole thing. As a thing. photographer, I can tell you, you you get that moment or you fucked. Which is one of the reasons I think, too, that the fight was as brief as it was. Basically, he flails a little and she tracks him down and then he dies because – well, you know, you can do a long fight in a hotel room when you can control the environment and mm-hmm. shoot it for 20 hours. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a total of 90 shooting minutes for this, you're like, we can't fuck around. Like, let's just, okay, you lost, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, half that scene is a flashback of him recounting, you know, scenes we never saw, like behind the scenes stuff, what happened with all the bad guys making their arrangements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes back to him and he's like, that's all I know. And she's like, bye. And just leaves him to drown in the surf. Yeah. Like a badass. That's everything I know. That's everything I know. That's it. thought that was a really awesome uh, moment and it reminded me of the way Soderbergh he does this not in every movie but he definitely has a thing of in movies like this where we're kind of on the hook to figure out what the puzzle or mystery is yep toward the end one of the characters kind of tells you what happens and you get like shots and scenes and sequences that you never saw before that are like the behind the scenes stuff and this has that like she says, you, she's asking you, McGregor, why did all this happen? And we see characters interacting and setting this up in ways that we never knew. It reminded me of the Oceans movies mm-hmm. and um, High Flying Bird, the Netflix movie that Soderbergh did a year or two ago, which was also good. Um, even Side Effects, things like that. Logan Lucky. There's He definitely just kind of likes that vibe of like at the end showing you like kind of how the magician did the trick. Yeah. Oh, which, side effects. They had a full thing like yeah, that. Which yeah, which I think is fun. I like that he does that. Yeah, you yeah. know. So uh, and it's it's really engaging and it never comes across as like a cheap exposition dump or padding for time because you're on the hook. You're like, why did all this happen? Mm-hmm. And you see all this fun behind the scenes stuff. Like I love the behind the scenes reveals at the end of the Oceans movies. Those are great. Absolutely. So this reminded me of those. It's definitely got that same kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great movie. It's a fun one. And it would have been an awesome series. You can tell they wanted to make one. And I feel like it'd be good now. I think you get a lot more mileage even now, more than you did eight years ago out of anthology series. Like you can just sell them easier to Netflix or cable, you know, it seems like in 2012, they would still want a series to be like an ongoing thing. Whereas now you could be like, we're going to do a limited run. Like Jack Ryan's a good example. You know, each season is like eight episodes. They come out a couple of years apart. Things like that. You know, you could do that. They're doing that clear with The Mandalorian starring, uh, co-starring Gina Gina Carano. Carano, You know? Who makes me want to get a tiny rebel tattoo under my eye. I know she does. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't worry, Dad. But it's it's a... I think they should do a... I think they should do a show. A TV show would be awesome. So... But it's a fun movie, and I really like it. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I really did. Good. Yeah. It's it's a good one. I really did. I think it's, it's sadly underseen. Because of the way it was marketed and sold at the time, and it wasn't a big hit, so I feel like people who saw it then enjoyed it for the most part. It got yeah. it got good critical reviews. It wasn't a, a box office hit, but most critics were like, "This is good. This is a fun movie." Yeah. And most people who see it tend to dig it, but I don't think it gets the brand recognition or promotion eight years later that would be deserving. So I say we put out the call to people. If you are a Soderbergh fan and you're looking for his lesser known works, this is for you. If you are a Mandalorian fan and you are missing Mando and his crew, this is a movie for you. Heck yeah. If you are a woman who is tired of men beating up women and other men in movies, this is for you. If you are a dude and wants to see an awesome movie of awesome fight scenes and a better action movie than probably the last one you saw. This is also for you. Yeah. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This totally could have had a sequel, you know? Oh, I yelled that the minute it yeah. ended. The, the second it ended, I was like, a sequel! And you yeah. were like, I know. I know. It could have had three sequels. It would have been amazing. It reminds me of when I saw The Nice Guys or... Uh, Uncle. The Man from the Uncle. Man from I was Uncle. just going to say, The Man Fuck from Uncle. Me, that needed like, sequels. Those movies and Haywire are those that you're like, I would love to see because... Modestly budgeted, awesome movies for grown-ups. Just fucking great, fun times. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and if you haven't seen The Man from Uncle, check that out. And The Nice Guys, check that out. Dude, if you haven't seen The Nice Guys, I don't want to know you. I'm I, Who are you? Yeah. Who, who you is haven't, this? You have until the end of 2020 to see The Nice Guys. Who, who is this? 
or I don't really have any power to do anything to you if you don't see the nice guys. Oh. But I strongly recommend you do. You don't know what power I have. No. Do you, yeah, you have power. I don't have any power. Yeah. The yeah. dog tells me what to do. The dog does tell you what to do. And yeah. rightfully so. That's fair. So Haywire. Haywire. Hey, yeah. Good time. And for, just for the record, the movie that we did not talk about was Autofocus. Autofocus, 2002, uh, directed by Paul Schrader, starring Greg Kinnear as Robert Crane, the star of Hogan's Heroes, who, in his secret life, was a sex, uh, addict. A sex addict and swinger and was murdered by his friend. I highly recommend, and not just because I am Murderino, but I highly recommend that you find the episode, and I don't know which one it is, but it, you can search for it on their wiki. Um, you find the episode where they talk about Bob the Bob Crane murder. It is extremely interesting. The episode of My Favorite Murder. The episode of My Favorite Murder, yeah. The podcast, My Favorite Murder, that I talk about all the time. Mm. Look up that episode and listen to that, and that is far more interesting than this god awful boring movie yeah it's a shame because as tracy and i were talking about when, when we bailed on it and i haven't seen it in 15 years plus and i stand by the fact that greg kinnear gives a really good performance and is really good in this movie but there's not much of a narrative through line or hook to keep you going and if you didn't know what happened to bob crane you'd watch this whole movie and be like what is the point what's the story yep what's what are the stakes what's going to happen yeah, and even if you knew what happened, you'd be like, please, someone just kill him now because I can't stand watching this movie another second. Yeah. So. so that was weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's never happened before. It five times a week in our household. <laughs> so, yeah. Haywire, good movie, and you had a good time. I did. Awesome. Yep. You want to do some Hell Yes? Yes. I also want to say that next week's episode is a special one. Um, because a special movie is having its anniversary this year, and I can't guarantee Daniel will like it, but I think it's very important that he see it. It is a movie that, true to the podcast form, I have not seen. That's why we're yes. watching it. So, Have you seen this? Hey, have you seen this? <laughs> that old weird man. Change the name of your podcast to Have You Seen This? No, old man. <laughs> With your joint Facebook account and your MAGA hat, probably? I don't uh, probably. Know. Probably. Probably. My Hell Yeah is, and you can only find it on their website, um, Entertainment Weekly got and got together with Mark Shaman, and they got all the, pre well, as many of members of the previous casts of Hairspray together to sing You Can't Stop the Beat. Like, I have chills right now talking about it. You Can't Stop the Beat to raise money for the Actors Fund because, you know, there's a ton of actors out there that are out of work because everything is closed. I mean, I'm not kidding. You see you see everybody. And then when you look at the cast list at the end, it's like, I didn't see that person. I have to watch it again. I didn't see that person. I have to watch it again. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's one of my favorite songs from any musical at all, anytime. Um, and it makes you just joyous and happy and i love that these people are getting together to do this kind of thing like i liked uh in some good some good news when the office got together the cast of the office got together and danced to the wedding song pam and um jim's wedding song and i loved when the hamilton cast got together so just that kind of stuff indigo girls doing live concerts all that it's really keeping me going man i gotta tell you like it's amazing so just search all you have to do is search um hairspray the actors fund and it'll pop up um and you can watch it and then be incredibly happy and watch it again and again that's a good one it's a really it just makes me so We've happy wa you watched it twice already and we're probably going to watch it again tonight i've watched it more than twice awesome it's yeah. a good one yeah yeah when i saw i saw a friend of mine a critic and writer posted on twitter and she's like this is pure joy and i watched it i was like that was amazing she's got to see this right away I mean, so it i was texted my it ringtone for a while immediately yeah it's a great i love hairspray the musical yes i love it yes it's so good great hell yeah yes great hell yeah thank you my hell yeah which is a joint hell yeah, yeah. with my bride is for the awesome career and legacy of fred willard oh. who died today today is saturday when we were recording this, it is Saturday, May 16th. Fred Willard died today at the age of 86. He was a funny, funny motherfucker. He, he was, was so, like, I don't, brilliant. I don't think Christopher Guest should be allowed to make any more movies. Yeah, like, 
If you haven't seen the classic Chris Guest movies, Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman, hie thee to a streaming service. Like, see those. First, slap yourself. Yeah, first slap yourself, poke yourself in the right eye, and just sit there and think about what you did. And then go see these movies once your eye heals up. They are amazing. And Fred Willard is genius comic in them. Not like a little funny, like steals the oxygen and the set out of everything he's in. Yep. And the thing is, like, he's a major character in Waiting for Guffman. He's, he's with Catherine O'Hara. Oh, oh my, my God. God. He's a major, oh he's main. But in Best in Show, he's one of the dog show commentators. So he doesn't show up until well into the movie. And he's not one of the, you never see him outside of the dog show. He's not one of the main characters, but he's one of the commentators. And his inane patter is just amazing. And the very straight laced guy he's with has to be the straight man and try and correct him. And, and he, try not to laugh. And so Fred Willard trots out every dumb, insane question and bad joke and cliche he can. And he will annihilate you. He's so good. The 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 bloodhound. Now, do you think we could uh, put a put a little Sherlock Holmes hat on him? Uh, you know what would be funny? I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. Why didn't he put the bloodhound, put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats, and put a little pipe in his mouth? Are they ever allowed to do anything like that? Dress up a dog in a funny way? You no, know, that's uh, it's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows. But it is would. For. I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. Yeah. Like, he knows what a goofus he is, and he knows that this guy thinks he's a goofus, and he'll yep. just laugh and just slap him on the back. I can't, I am, I cannot yep. tell you the brilliance of this man. You know, people are like, people talk about, like, what a loss, and I'm like, well, he's 86. Like, yeah, let it's, the it's, man go. It's not, it, Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same way, like, obviously mourn him. I don't, it's, it was not a, you know, he lived a very long Life and had a long, wonderful career. Yeah, you know, so so mourn him in that celebratory way of you had an awesome, awesome career in life and you gave us so many amazing moments. Yeah, you know, let's remember that. As Jerry Stiller did as well. Jerry Stiller, great one. And R.I.P. Jerry Stiller this week, yeah. and he was in his nineties. Yeah, like let the man go. So, so I'm pulling from the New York Times obit right now. Uh, Fred Willard got three Emmy nominations. Uh, he was outstanding guest actor nominated for his role as Hank on Everybody Loves Raymond. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Also, in 2015, he won a daytime Emmy for Outstanding Guest Performer for The Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> okay. I gotta look that up. But dig this. He made his first network television appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1964. Ed Sullivan! Rose to prominence playing Jerry Hubbard, the sidekick to Martin Mull's talk show host, Barth Gimble, in the satirical series Fernwood Tonight. Yes! Uh, viewers in the... Oh my god, I remember watching that on reruns! Yep. Viewers in the 70s, 80s, and 90s may remember his work as a member of the Ace Trucking Company and Second City Improv Comedy Groups, or his appearances on episodes of Love American Style and Murphy Brown. Beginning in 1992, he also had appearances in about 50 sketches on The Jay Leno Show. Uh, in 2000, he played an ill-informed TV announcer in the dog competition in Best in Show, <laughs> which really... That really bumped his profile up comedically a lot. Because he was obviously working like nonstop, basically. But that, I think, really kicked him up to another level. And he was seen a lot more post-2000. But hilarious, wonderful actor. Definitely sorry to see him go. Really sad, but just amazing career and just so many great moments. So, yeah, check out a Fred Willard movie or just look up Fred Willard on YouTube tonight and just have a good time. And seriously, if you haven't seen Waiting for Guffman or Best in Show... Get to it. You I think they're guest, be, best movies. You will be so, so happy that we told you to do that. And also, uh, because I feel bad that we didn't also say that. Jerry Stiller, thank mm-hmm. you for years, years of comedy. And my dad got to have dinner with him one time. Yeah. So um, that was cool. That's another fun one to do. Check out like Seinfeld outtakes with Jerry Stiller busting up the cast. Jerry Stiller hilarious comedian did more and did way more than seinfeld and oh know. yeah tons tons like that guy had a decades-long career yeah. decades-long career and i just amazing and still in mira i mean it's just yep it, check him out so yep so yeah those are good hell yes mm-hmm. yeah all right well so next week we will see you uh hope you have a great week hope it's you know full of separation and masks and Stuff? Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Don't, I don't know. touch anybody. Don't touch <laughs> Don't touch me. Please don't touch me. Stay over there. Stay, you, stay over there. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a way to tease next week without giving it away. Uh, 
Just be on your toes. There it oh. is. Oh, okay. And no guesses because I don't want to give you the secret. Okay. okay. Exciting. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.